your life has had so many specific experiences and moments and people and 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 the rest of it you have something to give that is yours and you don't have to overthink that you don't have to overthink how am i interesting how am you know how am i different from everybody else that's usually a really terrific recipe to do something that somebody else has already done. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. You know, it took us a little while to come up with this one, (laughs) which seems so absolutely appropriate, also shows how we're not perfect here on the Way of the Artist podcast either. But (laughs) the irony of of how this one got going is uh, does not, uh, has not evaded me in this case, which is don't overthink your approach. We were thinking this one through a lot in the conversation leading up to this one. But, you know, maybe we'll talk about that at some point. But, you know, I, I, I like this. I like what we're uh, what we're diving into because uh, there's there's a lot that we can say about this. A lot of interesting little alleyways and, and side streets as well that this uh, impacts and affects, um, you know, like things about your uh your innate gifts is a fantastic little side street that's completely related to not overthinking this stuff through so um i'm excited to get into this one brando what do you got to say to to start off you know this <laughs> this overthinking uh, it's not don't think about your approach it's don't overthink your approach and i think Mm -hmm. the the thing that we run into as we've done this podcast is we've worked together on scripts is it's very easy to overthink it it's very easy to get caught up in trying to plan and trying to be perfect and trying to know what you're going to do and i think whenever we run into this problem which we've we don't run to every time but we run into it enough to know you usually just hit a point where you're like, okay, like we don't know and there's no way to plan. And this isn't about having all the answers. This is about starting and figuring it out in some ways as you go. And there's so much about art and life and everything that we want and our purpose that's related to that because you're never going to have all the answers. You're never going to know exactly the right way, the best way. And even if you think you do, you don't because so often that way is something you need to discover and it's going to be unique and it's going to be your own, but you're not going to figure that out until you approach it, figure out what's working, what isn't, and then adapt and and roll with it. So I feel like this is very timely as these usually are for me, just in my life around a few things that I've caught myself overthinking and I'm realizing as we're talking just to start, I'm like, yeah, 
what am I trying to do here? This is just bullshit. I'm just delaying myself from the inevitable, which is I'm going to make some mistakes and I'm going to realize as soon as I make them, wait a minute, that's not right. And I'm going to adapt and I'm going to change and I'm going to adjust course. But all this time sitting around thinking about it, trying to work out the details is a waste of time. And it's actually just procrastination. Yeah, man. Um, Cause I think that's so much like, especially in, in the creative artistic lens of it all. So often we're, you know, the impulse, the inspiration, you know, like that's such, um, it's such a visceral, a visceral, a visceral <laughs> emotional thing that, that occurs, you know, it's like, there, it's like a, it's a sensorial body high almost, you know, and then, you know, artists often, it's like, there's this inspiration and then there's just no follow through that comes in on and hey i'm not i'm not shitting on anybody here because i am guilty of this more times than i would care to admit you know there's this thing there's this inspiration and then there's no action that you take on it i didn't write that sketch i didn't you know post this thing i didn't you know um you know shoot this video or shoot this this sketch or whatever the hell it is you know, it happens. This is not about making anyone wrong. This is just an acknowledgement that like, hey, this is something that everybody deals with. You know, I think that even some of the most quote unquote productive artists and creatives out there will probably tell you about the myriad of things that they have still not done that they haven't gone through with for one reason or another. Um, so, you know, there's, there's elements of, of how we prioritize things, I suppose, on a practical level, but there's also, I guess really what I want to say to that is that like, you can, when we have the sensation, we can talk ourselves out and, and think ourselves and strategize our way out of doing anything, <laughs> which seems crazy because, but we're like, we're so conditioned and trained. And also I think that we're so uh, fearful and anxious, you know, about how something is going to be received that that's why we kind of start to overthink everything. You know, we try and have everything absolutely perfect, you know, before we launch, so to speak. And, you know, we're not, we're not putting rockets out into space, most of us, you know, where there's very little room for error, of which I will also add, there is a massive team of people who make that happen. It's not one person sitting in a room being like, yeah, I'll put a rocket up in the air for you. Um, but for most of us on a smaller scale, you know, we, in, in some, some cases, it's more important that we that we just begin, that we take action on something because we can just sit around ruminating about something forever. And, and I just want to touch back on one thing before I hand it back over to you that you had said, Brandon, because I think it's a very important part uh, point, which is that we're saying we're talking about overthinking. Don't overthink. It doesn't mean you don't think about something because there is 
absolutely a, a value to, you know, even some of my own creative processes involve a certain degree to which I take no action. But that's built into my process. Like, it's built into my process that I go up to a certain point and then I stop. I go, okay, now I'm not, I'm not doing anything more. I'm not thinking about this anymore. I'm completely letting this go now at this point, you know? Um, so yeah, like we can, I, I'm just going to hand it over to you. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I think the thing is you got to be willing to make mistakes. You got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to fall on your face and do it wrong, make a mistake, mess up, whatever that is. Like sometimes you got to be willing to embarrass yourself. I think that, you know, this whole idea that we can somehow protect ourselves from discomfort and pain and, and things that create like intense feelings inside of us is, is just such a mistake. You got to put yourself and it's almost like trial by fire in a lot of ways. You got to put yourself in there. You got to get burned and you got to figure out what that feels like. And I think it takes, you know, if you really want to figure anything out, it takes a certain amount of kind of humility but also that combination of like just mindfulness to say like, okay, I tried that and it didn't work. Why didn't that work? But you tried it, not you thought about it, you tried it and it didn't work. So, you know, you can run through the gamut of reasons why, okay, well, why didn't this work? And then you try maybe doing it again, but try it differently try a new approach. And that's why it's don't overthink your approach. You can sit around just thinking about your approach and thinking about your approach and thinking about your approach, like think about it, then do it. Then think about it again and then do it again. And then think about it again and do it again. Don't think about it and then go, okay, well maybe I could do that. Or maybe I could do this, or maybe I could do this and then run through like all these options and do nothing. You know, it, it's like the sooner that you you go trial by fire, the sooner that you make a mistake and the sooner that you realize your approach is not the right approach, the sooner you're going to learn what the right approach is. And I think that so much of what we're trying to do in art and in life, if when it comes down to what we truly want, is about figuring out an approach that actually works. And if everyone knew the approach, it would be easy, but we don't. It's something you got to figure out. And it's personal too. And in, in, in some cases, your approach needs to be different than someone else's approach. And, you know, if you try to copy someone else's approach, that approach won't work for you because that works for them, but it doesn't work for you. And this is the overthinking problem, you know, where it's like, I know I'll copy or model what they did. And then when it doesn't work for us, but it worked for them, we compare ourselves and we say, well, I'm not good enough. They're better than I am. That's not true. That approach worked for them. Some other approach might work for you that doesn't work for them. But until you go and try some things, you won't figure that out. So my main point here, just to start this off, is, and I know this to be true in my life, is decide an approach and try that approach and then get some data. And then from that, then think about it and make a new approach. But if you haven't made an approach at all, you're overthinking it. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's how I see it. You know, and you got to give yourself a deadline. Okay. Like I got this much time before I make a move and then that's it. That's all you get. And then you make a move. Like I get, I get 30 seconds. I get three minutes. I get one hour after that time has gone. You, whatever the best you could come up with, that's what you're going to do. 
And that's, and you gotta, you gotta set these kind of like decision points and your life is passing you by when you let those decision points last for too long. That's where all the thinking overthinking comes. You know, it's like by the end of the day, I'm making a decision. I don't care. It's this or it's that. And then you make that decision. And, and by the way, to make a decision requires action. It is not a decision unless you've actually acted in the world. Otherwise it's over. It's still thinking. It's not a decision. Decisions mm -hmm. only occur when action is accompanied with a choice. That's it. And if you, if you let that be a gray area, you're just fooling yourself in my opinion. Yeah, it's like exactly like the law of beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it's the decision to act and acting all at once. It's this whole, it's this, it's a singular kind of, of movement. Um, you know, just the way that the conversation has gone so far has reminded me very much of a talk that, you know, our favorite Alan Watts would give. I swear it's like if, if we, if all of these podcasts just like turns a few people onto Alan Watts, I'm happy. <laughs> Um, Me too. But he gives this talk about you know how we make decisions in our society and uh, or at least for a, and a lot of people, uh, which is that we can think about something and think about something and weigh out the the pros and the cons and 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 bring in this variable and that variable and try and measure everything out. We can, we can do that and we can do that probably endlessly it is his proposition is that there, there will be no end to variables that you could, that you could put into the equation and you'll never end up making a decision. And so usually the way that most of us make decisions is that we'll think about it and think about it and think about it and we'll do all of this weighing back and forth. And then when it comes down to it, we make a snap decision. <laughs> it still ultimately kind of comes down to a snap decision ultimately because you know it never, doesn't mean you'll never have all the info yeah you'll, you'll never never know all, all the, the variables yeah and and but if we try to live our lives and make decisions with trying to have everything worked out we're stuck you know where it can be a form of of how we procrastinate um which is usually you know procrastination is usually a form of anxiety in my own experience it's a, it's a form of 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 fear and anxiety towards you know all kinds of nonsense that our our you know thinking tells us you know like uh am i doing this right and is this good enough who am i to do this what will other people think of this you know like it, it's it, along these lines of of thinking that takes us completely out of it. And it also kills that initial inspiration point that kind of compelled you to do something in the first place. Yeah. You know, that's when your, your mind is working against you. That's when because like a lot of some of my favorite teachers in life have strongly advocated that, your your mind is is a tool it's no, but most of us use our minds as sort of the master of the whole show but there's a different component to who we are and how we operate that needs to be the thing that's steering the ship 
you know, there's, there's, and that's that, that creative impulse, that, that moment of excitement about some sort of new project, new endeavor or whatever, that, that rush of whatever that is that excites you. That's the thing that needs to be steering the ship. And then that's, and then you go, okay, mind, let's figure this out. Mm -hmm. What do you know? What can you, what can you say about this thing? How do we do this? Do we need to learn some skills that we don't have yet? You know, and you put a few things together and then you start, you begin because otherwise you sit around too long and then the momentum's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that wave of inspiration has potentially moved on to somebody else, you know, which so many artists can like attest to where it's just like, I had that idea for a movie five years ago. And it's just like, yeah, but you didn't make it. So guess what? The idea went to somebody else. That like that, that happens out there. I think uh, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that a lot in, um, actually she has a fantastic story about that in her book, Big Magic. And I wish I could remember who the other author was, but it was like, it's a crazy story because she had this idea for a book and she, I don't know if she had started writing it or if she, and, and then just put it down or something, but she had this whole thing kind of like mapped out. She didn't write it. And then she ended up meeting this writer who had this new book and it was like it was like almost exactly the same book the same story that she had in her head (laughs) and this and like this this shit happens man like i know i've had that had it happen where like i've seen like a movie coming out where i'm just like that was my idea i had that (laughs) idea yeah i think that your mind can give you some direction sometimes but you know, more often than not, I find that the mind talks you out of stuff. It, 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 it kind of goes like, well, what could go wrong? Or what if this happens? Or, you know, it has, it has ways of protecting you and you, you have to, you know, you have to just get over that. Um, you have to get over what your mind is telling you because your mind is limited by your current perspective of how you see the world and where you sit in the world and how you behave in the world. So you have to override that constantly. And and it doesn't do so well with the unknown. No, it doesn't like the unknown and it will do everything it can to avoid the unknown. That's why, you know, you have to kind of make these like almost snap decisions that, that come out of more like, um, if you want to call it and use psychology, like your id or your like, you're your just, your like innate feeling intention, you know? And it can, it can work in so many ways. I'll give a few examples. One is getting up early in the morning. I wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning. That sounds crazy to some people, but it's not a problem for me. It's so easy. And there was a time when it was not easy at all. But here's the thing. I get up at 4 a.m. because right now I'm working a regular job. I'm doing a coaching business, doing this podcast. I'm, I'm working a regular job and I have an artist career. I'm maintaining like four careers at the same time. So it's very easy for me to not have a lot of time at the end of the day to do the things that are important to me. And what happens is I wake up and well, I start my, I start my job at like seven o'clock, my Joe job, the, the job that I don't really care about, but makes me some money. And it's like a, it's an experience thing I'm doing right now. But I was realizing that when I got home from that job, I was tired and putting time into my art and putting time into my business and that kind of stuff was difficult. And I wasn't getting the best out of my work. And I said, you know, the first few hours of the day are the best hours of my day entirely. So 
I'm going to get up before work and I'm going to put two hours into my dreams, into my goals. And the thing is, is I'll wake up in the morning and this is where it comes around. I'll wake up in the morning and immediately my mind will be like, yeah, but you didn't get to sleep early enough. You're tired. You're going to be tired in the day. It'll start creating all these fear things. By the end of the shift, you'll be blah, 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 blah. You know, and then you'll have to nap and then you'll nap. It'll screw up your sleep. You know, it's goes right. And I have to just go, just get out of bed. Just get out of bed, turn on lights, walk over, turn on the shower, hop in the shower, just whatever, like just do the actions that negate all that stuff. And like, what I found is that if I don't entertain those thoughts, they, they aren't real. They don't happen. And sure, I have moments where I get tired later in the day. Sometimes I get to sleep a little bit too late and then waking up earlier is more difficult. But the thing is, is that, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta just take an action. And another thing, like, like it's like, um, I think dating is a great example too. You see somebody, you're out in public and you see somebody that you're interested in, this little kid. Yeah. screaming out there i don't know if you guys can hear that i was gonna say do, do people still meet each other that way anymore no he's having a good time um but here's the thing you you see somebody you like now it's so easy to go like what's the right thing to say to them what about just see them walk up to them say hello don't think about it any more than that when they respond then you can respond to them if you try to like, if you try to keep like overthinking all this stuff, you will never talk to the, the person. And, you know, then you have to walk around in the day thinking about how you would have said it, or you could have said it, or you should have, you know, and it's that woulda, coulda, shoulda, didn't, you know, and, and I feel like that is so much more painful than just going up there and then finding out, hey, this isn't going to work out than it is to sit and think about it and wonder because here's the thing you know when you go up there even if it doesn't work out you're going to get some data you're going to get some information you're going to start to figure out like okay, that worked that didn't work this is kind of what i learned and then the next time you do it you're going to be better at it if you never do it you never get better at it and your approach will continue to suck and that's the most important thing you have to take action if you overthink the approach like if you're pro here, basically this, this is what I'm saying. If you're, if you overthink it all the time, and that's all you ever do. Your approach sucks and will never not suck. If you take action, your approach will suck the first few times you take action, but it will get better. And no amount of overthinking makes up for actual action taken. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's an element of presence that's emerging in all of this too. You know, it's just like, this the overthinking is a lack of of presence you know because in the sort of example that you gave of you know going to approach a person who you like who you find attractive you want to you want to get to know them we'll say and uh you know, if you can sit there and be like, okay, well, what am I going to say? Uh, should I say this? Should I say that? Or no, 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 I can't like, uh, you know, like how much, how much money do I have? Can I buy her a drink? Can I, you know, <laughs> all this kind <laughs> sure, of stuff. I mean, yeah. maybe not so much this, the, not so much that kind of a scenario anymore, <laughs> uh, these days, but, uh, I think everyone could still follow along. And next thing you know, the, the person leaves, 
you know, like you just missed your chance entirely, or maybe somebody else approached them who, who knows what it is. And, you know, you can retroactively go, it's like, and you can learn your lessons and be like, and you can think about what happened or whatever, but that can become a perpetual state in which you're living your life, which is essentially you're perpetually living your life just always a little bit before everything happens. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're always just living a little bit right before life is going on. You know, you're never here. You're never taking, taking the actions on, on the things that, that compel you, which yeah, they, that thing can be scary. I think that there's a component to who we are. The, the Greeks called it the, um, the daemon, which is interesting because as far as I understand it, the daemon is like, it's, it's not quite the same as what they thought of as like the soul. The daemon is almost its own entity. The daemon is this thing that's very much kind of rooted in the world and has a bit of a mind of its own. <laughs> you know, it's a force of nature and it won't bend to your will. <laughs> I as like much that. as you want, like it has a will of its own, and very often that's the thing that's speaking to us. It's just like, oh, go over here, and you're just like, <laughs> um, and so they 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 try to, um, you know, in their in their culture, uh, understand it and respect it and give it a place and room because it can become a very destructive thing if it isn't given that place. But it's something that's very, it's um, it's a very powerful force that we have within us that 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 compels us to to take certain actions and that as sort of like the the psychological implications go of that is that to neglect it will lead to it coming out in ways that are very bad that mm -hmm. are very destructive you know and you know we could say that that leads to depression. I mean, you're not taking action on any of the things that excite you. Like, just like, let's think about that for a few seconds. If you're living a life where you don't take any action on anything that excites you, that on anything that, that is inspiring to you, like deeply, genuinely, you know, th that has to have a consequence until you smarten up, you know, and that's, that's kind of life, you know, it's like we kind of repeat the same mistakes over and over and over and then until we smarten up, you know, and in this case, you know, the lesson is like, you just got to go for it. You sometimes you've just like, you can't, there's no room for hesitation in certain times. Like there's no hard rules to this stuff. You know, there is a time to wait. There is a time to take a pause on something but there is a time when you just need to move forward. And there's this quote from like a movie. It wasn't a particularly great movie. It was a Cameron Crowe movie called um, We Bought a Zoo. I think that's what it was called. It was called We Bought a Zoo. And it was with uh, Matt Damon. And... There was this line yeah, in I've it. I've seen it. Huh? Yeah. yeah, like it was all right. It was it was was one of Cameron Crowe's best, you know. And but there was this line in it that said like, "All you need is eight seconds of blind courage." 
you know, like, and there's something that I thought was just so beautiful about that, that sentiment, that, that piece of wisdom is that like, like eight seconds of courage, like there's something so easy about that, you know, to think like what eight seconds of courage, it's all you need, you know, but like that eight seconds of courage is you just somehow moving your body in the direction of that person that you like and finding yourself standing in front of them. You know, like, and then they look at you. That's the eight seconds of courage, you know? And then sometimes she's like, hi, hi, <laughs> you know? And then whatever the hell happens after that. And yeah, maybe, maybe you put your foot in your mouth and maybe, you know, you say something really stupid. Maybe it doesn't go so well and, you know, you will never speak to this person ever again, but that's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that- all good. Like that, like if that's the worst that we're, we're, having happen here and then the thing is is like now we've got to confront the the issue of now don't overthink that that it didn't go well don't overthink that take your lessons what could have you done better there like what like like what happened there be honest with yourself honesty is the best way to learn you know is being brutally honest with yourself but you know then then let it go leave it alone don't make it mean something I think that's the, yeah. you know, the, that's one of the dangers of all of this is, you know, we make things mean stuff that, that it doesn't mean like that somehow you're not good enough. Cause whatever. I, I remember I walked up to a girl one time and uh, like, like I've dated, I've dated a lot. I, I, I have hadn't, you know, I had to learn how to approach, but like I've, I've dated a lot and I learned that I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to do that. And I was a super shy kid, but it started by just approaching people and it was not, you know, men and women, you know, not, and not just to be friends with the guy, you know what I mean? Just to say, Hey, how's it going? Whatever. Like to do that took courage in the beginning. It was difficult. And, you know, the more you do it, the better you get. One of the first things I realized, I remember when I got to college, cause I was like, I really wanted to, you know, I really wanted to date. I really wanted to get out there. And I remember I would go and I approach people and what I discovered like pretty quickly was that most people never heard the first thing I said to them. I was thinking, Oh my God, what's the right thing to say? Uh, okay. Just say something. And I usually say, Hey, how are you doing? Or Hey, how's it going? Or, Oh, that's cool over there or whatever. I, you know, I, I just break the ice somehow. And what I found with most people is unless they saw me coming, unless they were like, unless it was kind of like we made eye contact and then, you know, it was like kind of, and that would happen from any time. But a lot of the time, you know, that person's aloof. They're, they're not aware that you're like, you know, cause they're in their own world, but you kind of knock them out of it for a second. They like, they don't even really hear what you say. So that first thing that breaks the ice is usually kind of like, in my experience, like doesn't matter that much, you know? And it's just like that person, I, I, I kind of think they're going, Oh, someone's talking to me that like, and then they start thinking about themselves. You know what I mean? They're not mm-hmm. thinking about you as much as you think. And if you come at things with like a genuine, authentic honesty, most people have an open door. There's a certain amount of grace that they're going to give you to kind of start a conversation. And mm-hmm. if you can open up the topics about more than like benign, boring shit, like how's the weather and this kind of stuff. If you can actually start to open up an actual conversation of interest, that person, generally they will start talking to. And, and so, you know, but even if you do it in the right way, 
You can even make the weather a good approach, you know? Sure, you can. It's yeah. like you come up and you like you ask the weather like uh, ironically. You ask about the weather <laughs> ironically. It's like, so how about that weather, huh? <laughs> it can work. It can work. <laughs> it can work. Evan and your advice, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily. I've been out of the dating game for a long time, so. Uh, no, it can work. I mean, the thing is, if you make them laugh, right? If, if it's, you know, and that's all. If just you about, make them laugh, they like it when you make yeah, them laugh. They, you know? yeah. but people do. People, people, people like to be interested. They like to be curious. They, they, you know, all the things that we normally do. I mean, if you can present that to somebody, if you can bring that to their world, they're going to be interested in, in having a conversation. But I've had a time where I remember I approached this girl and I don't know what was going on, but she just ignored me. <laughs> like she pretended I wasn't <laughs> talking to her. And it was like really weird because I was like, oh, I started to realize like this person just doesn't even want to acknowledge that I exist. <laughs> and I remember being there and being like, this is messed up. Like, and it never happened to me. Like I never actually been like fully ignored at that point. And I was just like, wow. And I didn't know what to do. I ended up just walking away and I was like, what the fuck? But the thing is, is that gave me some, some data. It gave me some, like, like it was just, there's all these things that you, you, you could try to overthink about, well, what if she says this or what if they do this or what if they do that? And you know, sometimes, you know, the person doesn't hear you. Sometimes they're going to ignore you. Sometimes they're going to respond. Like maybe they're having a bad day, whatever. But if you make it personal, like one of the things that I learned to do was with action and this, and just relation to people, but this goes for everything, whatever you do, don't make it about you, make it about that thing, make it about this person. Like, like if you're genuinely curious about that person, if you genuinely want to get to know that person, you have much more chance. If you genuinely want to do the thing you're trying to do, like write the script, like if you genuinely want to figure that thing out, you probably will. If you make it about you and about, can I figure it out? Am I good enough to figure it out? Is this person going to like me? That is all going to shoot you in the foot. And when you stop putting the attention on yourself, you're going to find that your action is more effective. But sometimes you got to experience what it's like. Like when people yeah. who have done this hear me talk, who have actually done this, they know that they they know what I'm talking about because they know I, I know what it's like thinking about myself. And and he's right. And they and they hear that. People who haven't taken action before like this, they're like uh, they have no concept of like if this is true or not. And when you take action, you start to actually be better gauge when someone's like giving you advice or giving you direction. Because if you've never done it, you don't know. So a lot of what you're doing, I think when you take action, when you just make a move, is you're gathering data, which helps you to be a better learner. It helps you to be able to know who to take advice from, know what advice is legit, and what isn't. And you have that real world experience. So when you run into that problem, you even know what to ask. Okay, you could go, hey, Brandon, I went to talk to this person and they completely ignored me. What do I do? You'd have that question to ask now because you had that experience. The experience gives you the question. It gives you the insight. It gives you the thing to look into. It wasn't a success, but the success is now that you have a, confronted that, it's not no longer a mystery to you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I listened to that story about just like this girl that you approach, you just completely pretends <laughs> that you did exist i mean there's so many ways like it's funny because yeah like 
someone could be very dejected by that and you could take it very badly and let that discourage you in the future. Like, you know, that's the thing, but there's always an, there's always an opportunity for something to happen. Cause like in many ways I think of, sometimes I like to think of like, well, what would a master artist do with this? And for me, like a master artist is, is right up there as far as like wise people, as wise of people as there's ever been. I'm not saying that every that that we ourselves or that other people are master artists working on it, um, yeah. but a master artist has an experience like that of seeing this person and being like, "Ooh, feeling that that rush of energy and excitement about this person that they want to go up to, and they feel that fear, they feel those nerves, and they approach them." And the person just pretends like they don't exist and they laugh about it. You know, they walk (laughs) away and they go, it's like, oh, that stung. But then they laugh about it, you know, because there's just something, you know, the artist always kind of has one foot in and one foot out. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, I'm a part of what's going on, but I'm also this being that's like experiencing the fullness of life and take and, and just that whole experience, every emotion that came with that, everything that you were experiencing and going through, like it's all just kind of so wonderful in one, in, in a certain respect. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, you just had a human experience. How about that? Mm -hmm. You know, like a deeply human experience, you know, like especially when you're putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. Mm hmm. You know, vulnerability is like a huge name of the game with anything that's within the realm of artistry. It's always got to come with some vulnerability. There's there's vulnerability in taking action. There's there's vulnerability in taking a shot and trying. I, you know, when I played soccer, right? Like I've shared this before. When I started on um, when I started, I really sucked. I was really not good. <laughs> really, really not good. I say a miracle that I was even on the teams that I was on, like. And I was hanging on like by a thread, probably rode the bench for a a lot of time. And I just, you know, I didn't have the confidence and I didn't have the skill. I mean, it was kind of a combination of the two and I had to figure out how do I get more confident and how to get more skill. And those things were going to come together to some degree. But after a few years of playing with these teams where I was really not good, I eventually actually transferred to another team and I became the captain of that team. And I started scoring a lot of goals. And there was a day where I remember I was scared to take a shot because like when you miss, you miss a t- you miss an opportunity for your team. You know, there's not a lot of goals in soccer really. And you just, you know, it, it's embarrassing and you feel like you let everyone down and you feel like you should have passed it and given someone else the chance if you couldn't do it. But I remember there was a certain day. I don't even remember what happened, but I just remember I was just like, the only way you're going to score is if you shoot. So when you get a chance, you're going to start taking chances. And and I did, I started taking chances and yeah, I missed some, but I also scored some. And that's Mm -hmm. the funny thing about soccer. You only got to score a few to start being a leading scorer in the league. Like it doesn't actually take that much. And and I, I feel like a lot of sports are like that in a lot of ways. Like 
you got to you got to give it a shot. You got to try. And every time I took a shot, I got a little bit better at taking a shot. And there was a time where I coached soccer for a little bit. I coached these kids and it was one of our first early practices. And I was teaching them how to shoot a ball because that's one thing I'm really good at. And I lined up at the 18 yard box and I just, I said, you're going to put your toe down, you're going to put your chest over the ball and you're going to, you're going to focus on where you want to hit it. And I blasted a ball from 18 yards, like right in the top corner. And all these kids on the team, you know, were just like, holy shit. Like they were just like, after that moment, they just wanted to listen to everything I had to say. But the way I did that was, you know, and, and this is where like, it's like, if you look at life, like practice, when you look at things like practice and you see them as I'm going to make mistakes, but every time's a practice, I'm going to get better and better and better. There will be a day where you can just look at something and you can do it and you can mm-hmm. do it in a way that amazes other people. But that started by like hitting the ball over the net, missing great chances. Um, you know what I mean? And this goes for everything in life, not just soccer. It goes for dating. It goes for acting, it goes for everything. And the only reason why a lot of the time we're not as good at stuff, in my opinion, as we would like to be, is we haven't taken enough chances and we haven't taken enough risks and we haven't put ourselves in the, you know, in the pocket enough to feel the vulnerability of, of messing up. Mm-hmm. And it just, it takes, it's trial and error and you readjust and you readjust and you readjust until you start to actually get, you know, you get it. Mm-hmm. And the weight of, the weight of, understanding like how things would go wrong and the ways they go wrong and feeling that is part of what makes like um, I, I really feel that's part of what makes you have that ability to perform. And it, it and, and there's so much about being an artist is your ability to perform being an athlete, being everything. It's like, when it comes down to it, can you perform? And the only way you're going to perform is by taking a lot of actions and failing a lot to learn, to get all those failures out of the way so that when it's time to perform, you know, all the failures that can occur, you experience that and you know what works and what doesn't. And in those moments you perform because you've already gotten the failures out of the way, but people are spending so much time trying to avoid failure, including myself in certain areas of my life. And I'm just like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, why Brandon, that's so dumb. Don't do that. That's, you know, better, you know, you're overthinking it and you're trying to control it and you're trying to get a way to protect yourself from some vulnerability. Just be vulnerable. Just make a mistake. Just go and do it. And it's, and, and try it. And then you're going to get some data and then you're going to, you're going to be informed and you're going to try it again. And that's how you learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to, um, I just want to dive into something quickly or maybe it won't be quickly, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> There was a side of this conversation that we had sort of touched on before we started recording, which I feel is important, uh, or at least for me, is something that's important to address that I think has a lot to do with the kind of, you know, the shit that just that gets in our way, you know, and for the most part, and if you've listened to the show before, you know, it's probably most of the time you, (laughs) You're probably the <laughs> yeah. one who's at the most getting in the way. This whole conversation has pretty much just been about like how we get in our own way. Um, one of 
the things I want to propose is that you are an innately unique person with an innately unique expression of whatever it is that you're passionate about. This has nothing to do with you being perfect at it. It has everything to do with you having just an, an automatically unique thing. You know, there's, um, there's this thing that goes on in the acting world where people ask other actors or, you know, maybe family members, friends, yada, yada, yada. They'll go around and they'll ask these people, what do you see me playing? You know, like what kind of characters do you see me being? You know, because everyone's trying to find their, um, you know, they're trying their, to find their, their brand, niche. their niche, yeah. you know, like whatever. And, you know, there's a certain utility utility to that. I, I won't say just don't do that. But to me, there's this, there's a really insidious side to that whole thing, which is that then you've created, you know, based on what you get back, you're creating an image of yourself that is not necessarily full, you know, it doesn't not necessarily encapsulate everything that you have, you know, and, and I see a lot of actors, not only just, just that side of it, but, you know, also actors who try and go into an audition and try to drum up something interesting to do in the scene, you know, which is trying to be interesting is usually a trap, which I've, I've spoken to at length, I feel in, in past podcasts, but I don't want to get into that. But one of the things I want to, to just say is like, look, you are, you have an innately unique take on just about anything and everything. Um, and the more that you begin to see that and trust that that is the case, because believe me, you don't see anything the same way as somebody else. You know, there's maybe similarities. You would, you'll certainly share certain kinds of experiences on a very general level, but your life has had so many specific experiences and moments and people and, and, and the rest of it, you have something to give that is yours. And you don't have to overthink that. You don't have to overthink, how am I interesting? How am, you know, how am I different from everybody else? That's usually a really terrific recipe to do something that somebody else has already done, to do something that's kind of contrived, you know, because now you're consulting your thought realm to what's interesting to do, to what's like, what's an interesting action to take, what's whatever it is. And the thing is that your mind only knows what it has seen and done before. That's perfectly obvious. The mind only knows what it has seen and done and experienced before. So if you're turning to that thing, you're always going to come out with something that has been 
that that is never going to be completely genuine or new or fresh you have to go to a place that is beyond that which is why i don't overthink what what you're unique for mm-hmm. i guess is i've taken a kind of a scenic route to get there but I just wanted to bring that into the equation because it was something that we had talked about before we we started recording. And I think it's an important thing to, to say. Mm-hmm. I think you, you're bringing up something good here. It's, there's a time, I think there is a time and a place just to play devil's advocate for a second to kind of further this. I think there's a time and a place to model. There's a, there's a time and a place to um, kind of match strategy you know to look at how something was done before and to go okay well i'm going to try that strategy as well i'm going to try to do it but when it comes to art that's not a time whenever art is at play it's not a time to mimic i think that there is a um there is a service i think when you're an artist there's a service that you provide you know if you're if you're trying to get work or make money or do whatever and you have to honor the service that you're supposed to do. You know, for example, in, in film, sometimes you have someone you need to play a part, an actor to play a part. And, and really that actor is, is really just there to help bridge the hero's story or the antagonist story. It's, that's really your job. And I think as an artist, at least as an actor in that, in that position, you need to honor the job that is being asked of you because that's what's going to get you hired. Once you have figured out what the job is that you're there to do, then you have room to play. But if you don't honor the job, your artistry will be lost because the, the problem is like, unless you're the, like, if you're the lead of a story, if you're the main character, you have a lot more flexibility, but even the lead has a certain service they have to provide in the story. And that's not just for the film itself or the story, but that's for the audience and for whatever. And when you have a good awareness about what that is, it's like you can honor your commitments, but the way you do them can be unique. The way you go about them can be your own. Mm -hmm. You still need to figure out, well, what am I here to do? What, what's the service I'm here to provide? And I think that, you know, this goes back to our talks initially, Evan, where we were talking about industry and artistry, artistry and industry and finding that balance, right? There's a certain amount of, you know, like, for example, at least in film, film it's a film industry. It's an industry. It's a business. You know, there's a service that's being provided and there's people that are paying for that service and they expect certain things from certain genres and certain things. Like they want a certain thing to be delivered to them. And part of what helps a production company or a studio or whatever, like, or a producer effectively continue working is that they continue to deliver the service that is, they said they would deliver that's asked of them that sells. So I think as an artist, you know, there's a certain amount of, okay, I'm doing certain things to deliver a certain service. Now, if you, if you mimic the way other people say, do it, you know, there's a fine line between copying and you have to figure out, well, where is the art and where's the industry? And, you know, it's 
there's certain things. It's like, it's like a practical thing. You, you know, like maybe as an actor, it's like, you got to say these lines. That's a practical thing you got to do, but how you say them, the way they come out of you, the way that you interpret, the way you feel them, that is the artistry. You know what I mean? You have to say the lines and the lines have to make sense in the context of the story. But once that is accomplished, then the art is, is that, that's where it takes. And I think there's a certain mm-hmm. kind of, um, like an actor, and I feel this relates actually, this is kind of an interesting little avenue, but I feel like there's a certain kind of actor that all they do is deliver on what they're required to do. And they don't really bring any art to it. And you're like, that's a missed opportunity. Like there's something in there that you could have found. But then mm-hmm. there's the other artist or the other actor, and they are all about their artistry and they don't deliver. And the problem is that person might be actually be like a better, more authentic, more truthful actor. But the problem is, is that sometimes the actor that delivers what it needs to be served gets the role because the person who is all artistry and no industry didn't understand what they were there to do in the first place. So the way I look at it is like, you got to fulfill your commitments, but once your commitments are filled, the artistry is the above and beyond part. And that's where all the uniqueness comes out. And those are things that, you know, if you're modeling the artistry of someone else, you're making a mistake. But if you understand, like, for example, if you look at Tom Cruise, I I know I'm going off here, but like Tom Cruise is an incredible deliverer of a certain thing. And that's why he's so successful. Like he's, he's very good at taking a leading character bringing them through a narrative and delivering on, on that character's journey and that character's story often with action and things like that. He does an exceptional job. Is he the best actor in the world? Debatable, but he can deliver. And the way that he delivers is very much him in a certain sense. So if you try to be another Tom Cruise, we already got Tom Cruise. We don't need that. But if you deliver like Tom Cruise does, but you do it in your way, that's a totally unique and different actor. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, you can name a different action star. You know what I mean? Like it's or whatever. And, and so I feel like um, trying to control too much is part of the problem when we're talking about mm-hmm. overthinking. You're trying to, you're trying to, like you're, you're overthinking is only going to make you copy. You have to like let your heart speak after you've delivered your commitment, then you've got to let your heart like, and it will take you wherever it's going to take you and it'll show you your truth. And that will be humbling and whatever. Well, you know, like it's, it's what you're saying is like, yeah, there's no play when you're trying to control everything too much and think everything through too much. There's no play that's going on. And play is kind of like, that's the, that's how you dance in the, in the unknown territories, you know, like that's like the only way that you can really do it. And that's, and, and come away with something that is, is unique and different. Um, yeah, like the, there has to be, there has to be play that exists in that space in order for that uniqueness to come out. And that requires a certain level of being able to be foolish and being able to look stupid and, and all of that stuff. And none of that speaks of control. 
No, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing. I think that's what we're talking about. Really. It's like, don't try to control, like don't overthink so much is don't try and control so much. Yeah. Let a certain amount be up for like whatever. Well, like, yeah. Like allow yourself to play, allow yourself to play, like allow yourself to enjoy the process and allow yourself to have a little bit of fun, you know, like that's, that's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's so interesting because like we can get so hell bent and focused on just trying to make something succeed or come off a certain way or for ourselves personally to appear a certain way or whatever. And in that whole thing, you know, we, we stop enjoying ourselves. We stop having fun, you know, like that initial hit of inspiration, you know, that happened like now you don't even want to do it anymore. Because you overthought it, you know, you're not playing anymore. It's not a fun thing to do anymore. And then, you know, that can spiral into a whole thing of being like, of, of just completely giving up on everything altogether. Mm-hmm. You know, I, at one, in my twenties, at a certain point, like I just, I just stepped away from, from acting for, I don't know, like two years. Like I was still going out on like auditions for like things here and there but you know it was kind of a situation of going through the motions but like I took a step back like I stopped I stopped taking classes you know I wasn't really working on my crafts like in an obvious way that I would kind of was before but I had to take a step away from it because there was just no joy in this thing anymore there was just too much it was too much of yeah like trying to everything was just trying to be too controlled. There was just, there was too much. Um, there was just too much that wasn't in that unknown space anymore, which is kind of a funny thing when you think about it, you know, like it's, it's the unknown is kind of a place that we can be very afraid of and we can shy away from it. But, eventually if we don't engage with it at all everything becomes so mundane everything becomes joyless like that unknown space is is absolutely vital for a kind of joy in our lives and in the things that we do i i would even argue that the unknown is where art exists it doesn't actually exist in the known I would, I would absolutely agree with you on that. And something I'm realizing too, is we have the law of the unknown and we have the law of play. And I'm starting to realize that those two are such close partners because in the unknown is where you need to play. Yeah. Like that, that's I think literally, I think we've actually had that discussion where we're like this, that relationship between play and unknown. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I guess I'm maybe being reminded of it, but it's like, I'm seeing more now, like how really like you go into the unknown with the intention to play and play is like, it's about not being in control. It's about letting things go. It's all about letting things flow, you know? And, and, um, if you're, if you're really there to play, you know, you'll find the best results. I mean, you know, I, I think control what it does, especially with like socializing is it eliminates banter and banter is such an important part of the social process and a lot of people because they don't they they don't let themselves go they don't let themselves play they don't have a sense of banter 
and banter is just so playful. It's like, you know, it's, it's like the stereotypical guy who's trying to pick up the girl and, and he's, you know, and he's trying to say all the right things and it's so inauthentic and it's such bullshit. And it just creates this like very disconnected, even if that person keeps talking, it's like, it's, you know, and banter is when, you know, and then you have these like dating experts who are like, Oh, that's called negging. And it's like, it's not negging. Like <laughs> negging is when you make fun of somebody and whatever, yeah. but that's part of banter. Like when you and I joke around, you know, on the air, off the air, sometimes like you miss, you miss quote. I'm like, ah, I haven't got a quote, but you know, that's banter. That's what banter is. Like, that's not me tearing you down. That's me keeping you on your toes. And that's part of what makes socialization so fun is because when you're alone, you control everything. But when you're with someone else, they see you little, like you flub the word, you know, they saw you flub the word. It creates a sense of play. It creates a sense of like, okay, I'm dealing with this. You know what I mean? And that's where aliveness I think comes, comes up. And art is a lot like that. When you're doing your art, it can create a, a room for banter in a sense where it's like this kind of like, I, I'm not doing it perfectly, but through not doing it perfectly by playing with that imperfection, you know, it becomes quite incredible in, and like, if, if anyone's ever done an acting scene, you know, like I, acting teachers who are good, we usually say like, a mistake happens, keep going, keep rolling, keep, mm -hmm. keep, see what happens. And often you'll find that through that very interesting stuff occurs. Like, you know, someone spills a drink they weren't supposed to, but because they did, it created a dynamic. And then it's like, well, let's keep that. Let's play with that. Let's work with that. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you'll, you know, you'll go, okay, that, that went wrong. Let's do it again if it's film. But sometimes you'll let that roll and that will create awesome stuff. But yeah. if you're not open to that, you know, you're not open to this whole life that can occur. Well, it's kind of, you know, in a weird way, it's like this whole conversation for me is leading to this place of like, look, it's not so serious. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the problem with the approach is that everything has just become way too fucking serious. Totally. <laughs> totally yeah like it's because like and just even some of the stuff that you're saying too it's like you know with acting i can relate to that like you know very often in scripts particularly in plays because a lot of people you, you, if you know i mean if you're an actor you've probably read a play you know you've you've picked up a, a stage play um and if you're not maybe you have as well but what a lot of people don't realize is that that published version of a play is not the original thing that the writer wrote. They, the writer wrote what they did and they decided it was good enough to like move forward to, we're going to do a production. But for a first play, now they've, they've, they've cast actors and they got a director and all this stuff and it's going and they're realizing certain things don't necessarily work in action. So they change things. Right. And so like the script changes and changes, but very often there are accidents that happen during the rehearsal stage or even during the performance. And those accidents end up being written into the play because they're like, that was fantastic. That was so funny or that was so powerful when this thing occurred. And so they, it becomes a part of sort of the fabric of how it all goes down. Right. But there's, there's a, I don't know exactly necessarily what I was trying to say with that, but it seemed relevant. <laughs> and 
also, yeah, just like with some of the things that I I teach with actors and, and with people who are interested in doing some acting type of stuff is that like there's what you're saying, like with banter, you know, like it's, you know, we I bring people through a process where they become very present with each other. And it's kind of an essence. You're just calling out everything that's happening. You know, in a way, you know, Meisner is very much about like, you're just calling out everything that's actually going on right now. And usually that has something to do with the other person. It could be like, oh, you just flubbed up what you were saying. Right. And the other person has to repeat it. You know, it's like, I just flubbed up what I'm saying. It's like, you're embarrassed about that now. It's like, (laughs) I'm embarrassed about that now. You know, it's like, but you just point it out. You just address it. And the funny thing is, then the moment's gone. You know, it happened and it's over and everybody's fine. You know, and I think that this is that's kind of a a bit of a microcosm, but I think that this is one of those things that kind of stretches into a, a a larger picture, which is that like, again, it's not so serious, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're going to go along and, and little flubs are going to happen and little things like you can just actually laugh about most of it. You can understand that it's really not very serious. You know, most of like one of, if I learned anything from Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, it was this one quote, which were like when I read it, I had to read it over and over and over and over again, which was, you are disturbed only by your own opinion. Mm. You know, and it just like was this thing of like, what? But just how true that that is, you know, it's like, and so much of what disturbs us from how we do something for, from taking action for how we approach. It's our opinion about something. It's, mm-hmm. it's again, like it's the overthinking with, with the overthinking comes our opinions and comes our judgments. And, and that creates kind of a whole crazy hurricane of emotions mm-hmm. that can happen and that, and that can just, it can it can stop us from 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 taking action on the things that we truly feel strongly about. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that this conversation has opened up as they usually do, and I, I don't think that I'm even going to be able to comment on them all. But no, I don't know we are we are kind of uh, just pa- we are we're a little past that one hour mark. Which yeah. I mean, you know, we can go go longer if we want, but you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like that witching hour, and it's kind of like, well, do we want to go down that road or not? I, I, um, you know, one thing I will say though is that we don't, none of us really know what's going on here. <laughs> like, nobody does. Like people assume that they know what's going on here. Like we yeah. don't. You know, like like, and you know, the, <laughs> there's this girl at work, and. It was really funny because we were talking about, we were talking about got some deep philosophical talk. We got pretty good banter and we're joking around all day. But this moment to me was brilliant because we're talking and she was kind of, I guess, done with the conversation, but she had a funny way of ending it. It was hilarious to me. Was I'm saying, well, how do you even know you exist? Like, how do you even know you got a body? And I was like going in down this philosophical, like mind, mind yeah. road. And then she's like, and she's like, well, I think I have a body. And she stands up because I just farted. And she like walks away. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, just like boom, like exit, like mic drop. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. shut down the conversation. But it was like hilarious the way that she delivered it. <laughs> it was just like, 
there's kind of like, I mean, there's kind of like this whole, um, people don't really know what works with people, what doesn't work with people, what you can get away with and what you can't. I think about this situation, you know, like just to openly admit that you farted to somebody is <laughs> such a like faux pas, like social thing to do. But also when done right, it's absolutely hilarious. And finding the line of delivery where that's actually funny or it's weird is something you have to do by trial and error. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so much of stuff is perception and it's earned perception. So the way someone sees you, you know, there's initial judgments based on how you dress, based on how you walk, based on how you approach. But then there's when you get to know somebody and you get to know somebody and that your your opinion and your relationship to them can alter and change and what somebody who you know can say versus someone who you don't know can say and get away with or work with or based on the position that person's in perceptually you know so the thing is is that here's my point the way you perceive reality is is off and if everybody accepts that then they can start taking action to start to get a new perception. And if you base your perception on reality based in the small circle in which you live, based on your family or you just your close knit circle of friends or your small little community, your perception of reality is very limited because if you meet other people, then you can start to see, well, they do it this way or they do it that way. And it can open up your mind. So like one of the hard parts about stepping out of like taking action and, and not overthinking it is like, you're going to be thinking about it based on the perception you have, which is wildly inaccurate. And you need to like open yourself up to the world to, to try new things and, and see how things work to be able to break through those perceptual limits. And there, there was a time where, you know, like talking about farting, like I could do with my brothers but you maybe wouldn't say it at school because you get made fun of, right? Mm -hmm. But like, you know, and in certain environments, like maybe a, like a serious business meeting, you know, it's it, maybe it's diff difficult to get away with, but like in other environments, it you know, with close friends or in like maybe more of a, I don't know, blue collar situation, maybe it's more open, but like learning how to like go to a certain arena and like live in that arena and exist in that arena is entirely different than another arena. And all of that is you actually visiting that arena and which requires the action of going in there and trying that. And until you do it, you're just so ignorant and you're so naive and you're so judgmental, mostly of yourself. So what, what I'm kind of saying is like, you, you have to be willing to go try stuff so you can see if there's something different than what you think, you know, and mm -hmm. I would, strongly strongly argue that you don't know jack shit and that's a good thing because mm -hmm. whatever you think you know you like you can get away with so much in this life you can you can open up doors to possibilities that just seem so unreachable to you and until you step out of your circle until you step out of your comfort zone you're not going to know if that's true or not and Unfortunately, for the people who aren't stepping out of their comfort zone, they're hearing me say that, and I'm sure they're going like, "Ah, true, I don't know about that." But like, really ask yourself: Are you like sitting in the same, like talking to the same people, doing the same thing, like, like 
are you pushing yourself into fears? Are you trying stuff? Because if you're not, then I'm telling you, it's so exciting for you because you're about to, if you're willing to, you're about to crack open a world that you're going to find out that you could be an entirely different person than you even are right now. And it's such a great, awesome way. And that you could open up relationships and possibilities that you never even thought were possible for you. And it's going to be scary, but I'm telling you, like on the other side of that is an incredible world for you. And for those of the people who have done it, you're going to know, you're going to be like, yeah, that's so true. I mean, if I didn't step out and try this, I would never have known. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, you got to dare, you got to like, stop overthinking it, stop trying to control it and just like go into that world, enter that world of another person, of another art, of another thing and see what happens and then learn. And as you learn, you'll get better. And, and pretty soon you'll be able to exist in that arena. But day one, before you've ever entered it, you're not going to know what to do. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's part of the process. And that's kind of like almost the kind of encouragement I want to kind of push people into. And I don't know. And no, 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 that's great because, like, you know, because what, what this really says to me and reminds me of is just as human beings, we have an incredible capacity to get through things. You know, like we will find ways to move through, you know, events and circumstances and situations like we, fi- we will find a way to do it, you know, and like, especially when you look at, if, if you can look at your life and think of a circumstance that you never imagined yourself being in and, and see that you actually dealt with it, you know, that you moved through it. It might've been uncomfortable, you know, but you, but you did it, you know, you found a way like, Again, because I, I just always love to bring it into like the artistic realms because they they do shed an interesting perspective on this, and that's also kind of what this show is about. Um, but I mean, I remember studying with my Meisner teacher, Larry Silverberg, and where we were at in the class, like we were kind of we were doing these basically improvised scenes, and we had scene partners, and the only thing that we had was like in this improvised scene, each of us, so there's the two people, we had a certain set of uh, a circumstance that each of us had, but neither of us were privy to what the other person's circumstance was, what was going on for them, just what our circumstance was and what we had to do. You know, like, what do we have to do in this moment? And we knew what our relationship was to each other. And this situation, this guy, he was, he was my uncle. You know, but I didn't know what was going on. And I remember leading up to it because I'm like, okay, like this improvised scene is going up in front of the class, you know, like, you know, a bunch of people are going to be watching it. And, you know, there's all of those things of like, you want to do well, you know, like you want to all of the, the shit that we tell ourselves. And I'm thinking about my situation, this thing that I've set up for myself. And I go, I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to do this. I don't know how this is possible. I don't like, like thinking like, and, and worrying and, and freaking out that I've just, I've, I've done something completely wrong here, you know? And 
it's le- it's getting closer and closer and closer. Like we're in like the the hour leading up before this has to go up, and I'm my mind is just like I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I don't know how I'm going to pull this off. And it was just like, and it was like my teacher Larry. He just like his voice just kind of popped into my head, and it was just like you'll find out how you do it in the act of doing it. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, and just kind of this all of this stress and anxiety and all this energy just kind of just like dropped off of me. I was just being like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. I know what I know going into it and we'll find out. And the thing is, is we did find out. I did find out how I was going to do it, (laughs) you know, and it didn't mean it was like smooth and perfect and all of these things. Sometimes it feels like you're floundering and, and it's like, but it carried through to the end and an entire scene played out in front of everybody that was very interesting and unpredictable and completely unplanned. Like it was, it, it was an incredible teaching moment, not only for me as an actor, but just, I mean, again, in this moment right now, and, and this is as, as something that we can extract as, for ourselves in life you know what we come in with what we've got whatever you've got another piece of advice that another larry who was an acting teacher <laughs> taught me is like was like look whatever you got trust it trust it and stop worrying like just leave it all outside whatever you got you trust it and and you will find out how you do this thing that you set out to do through the act of doing it, Mm. but act, just act and you'll figure it out. You'll be amazed to see how you can figure it out. And, and I would just encourage everyone as well. Like just think of any moment in your life where you kind of been put yourself into a situation or a situation was forced onto you where you didn't know how things were going to work out. You didn't have a plan you know, or much of a plan, whatever it was. And just, just recall how that all played out. Mm-hmm. Recall how that all, like, like what, what transpired. See, like, just see how you figured it out. You know, maybe the outcome wasn't exactly what you wanted, but you figured it out. You lived mm-hmm. to tell the tale. And in fact, very often you live to tell the tale and you can fucking laugh about it in retrospect. You know, like that's an incredible superpower that we have as human beings. That is a fucking superpower. I don't care what you say. That's like, <laughs> that's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. Real life experience. Well, you having a beer? I'm having a beer. This is one I had this, this one, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. This was, uh, I've been drinking Phillips, uh, Citricity, Grapefruit Zest, IPA. It's really good. Like nice. Like it's it, it, that's a delicious one. Like this is one <laughs> that I'm like like if I'm ever in a sort of a situation where I like I don't know what to get and I see that and I'm like that one's not going to disappoint. Yeah. I love I was actually just thinking about that earlier today. I love grapefruit and beer. Such a such a good mix. I'm having a beer from a brewing company that I really like called Yellow Dog. 
I oh, I don't know yeah. what it is about their beers, but I seem to like every one they have. I don't think I've had this one. I don't think we've had it together, but it's called Squirrel Chaser, and it's a hazy pale ale. Um, nice. Yeah, it's they always have a name that has something to do with like a dog, like Chase Your Tail or something like yeah. that. You know. Um, yeah, they're a good brewery and uh, it's a super tasty beer. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, no, they've got some quality people banging brews over there. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's wrap this baby up, I think. Um, I, I'll i say, <laughs> I mean, the th- the, I think the thing is, is that thinking is trying to control. So stop trying to control everything. And control is usually something people look for when they're scared, you know, and, and not having control is scary. But I think if you want to, you know, live the life of a, like, of an artist, if you want to be creative, like you want to be a master artist of your life, if you really want to get the most out of your approach in life, you got to be willing to go into the unknown, be out of control and play there and exist there without, without having the answers. And when the, when something happens, respond. And when something else happens, respond and accept that you will probably not be good at a lot of things the first time you try them. And the first several times you do them, you might get a little bit better, but there's always a lot of room for improvement. And maybe I can share a comparable, but I got into rock climbing like a couple of years ago, a few years ago. And I remember when I went to the gyms and I started like really taking it seriously. And I remember looking at some of the walls and just being like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how anybody is climbing this shit. This is so hard. And there's like a rating system, you know, like 5.7, 5.8, 5.9, whatever. And basically you just can, you just level up. And it gets harder and harder and harder. But like after not too long, I was starting to climb these walls that when I first showed up, I thought like I'd never climb. I just kind of was making my peace with it. I remember being there being like, okay, well, like I'll probably never climb that, but whatever, that's fine. Like I was just like, I'll climb these other walls. It's still fun. But I got better and I learned techniques and I got skills and I, you know, I fell off of harder parts, but then I figured out how to get around them. And I got more fit. My hands got stronger, things developed and I could respond to challenges that I wasn't able to initially respond to just based on body position and just knowledge of rock climbing and movement of body. And I feel like life is a lot like an artist, a lot like that, you know, you, you look at some things and you go like, I could never date that person. I could never have that career. I could never do that for a career. And that's okay but go into it if that's what you want to do. And, and, and I promise you that if you go into it and you start working at it, you're going to start to find that you can get way farther than you ever thought you would. And you might realize as you get into it further, that it's not really what you want. You might not want to go any further and that's okay. You don't have to like, but just understand that what you think is possible for you right now, when you're in a place of inaction, when you're a place of overthinking, it's just so out of reality because you just don't know. When I walked into that rock climbing gym and I first looked at those walls, I was out of reality of what was possible for me. But then in, you know, in a few months, it did take a little bit of time. I was climbing walls that were way beyond what I thought I would ever be able to climb. 
And had I continued at the rate I was working at, I would probably be able to be climbing stuff that I thought was impossible after that, because that's kind of how it works. You know, these things, they just seem so far to reach. They seem so impossible in the early stages. And the way you do it is you go and you venture into that territory and you try it and you fail. And then you try again and you learn from your failures and you don't make it about you. You don't like say, I'm a bad rock climber because I can't climb this thing. You say, just, I haven't learned that yet. I haven't tried that yet. I haven't figured that out. I haven't, I haven't figured out how to overcome that obstacle yet, but I will because I'll try it again and I'll try it again. And then one of these days by trial and error, I will figure out a way to get through this. And that's, that's life. That's art. That's everything. And if you start taking on that mentality, I really truly believe you could have just about anything you want in this world. That's a lot of fantastic stuff for people to live by. <laughs> um, yeah, I think my last things I'll just reiterate. It's like, hey, this shit ain't so serious. It's not as serious as you think it is. You know, and I'd also say get your get your mind working for you. You know, for the you you. You know, not the you that your mind tells you that you are, but the you you, the the thing that that has dreams, the thing that, you know, has has fire and energy and and explosiveness. You know, get your mind working for that thing. Get it working for that part of you. It doesn't. It doesn't get to decide what you do. It just tells you how to. It, it can just inform you to get to to as to how you might get to where you you're trying to get to. to how how you might navigate the way forward. And that if you throw yourself in there, you will figure it out. It won't be perfect. In some ways, it is absolutely perfect. <laughs> In many ways, it's absolutely perfect, but you will figure it out. It will come together and it won't be, hang on one second. I've got to sneeze. Oh, all right. There we go. That's like, I feel like that's like a first on the show. Yeah, um, I think so. I got so excited. I got, um, I got tingly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, just like, it's just like, more proof. So you don't, don't exactly, exactly. You don't shit. know. You, you don't know what's gonna happen. It's not gonna be perfect. See, yeah. it's, it's there. We go. We're still a bunch of guys doing a podcast. It's still happening. You're still listening. Maybe. Uh, so yeah, you'll figure it out. Um, act. It's not so serious. And I thought that to finish this off, we brought up our our man Alan Watts earlier. And I thought, this is a great quote from him that this conversation reminded me of. So I'll leave everyone with this one. This is the real secret of life. To be completely engaged with what you are doing in the here and now. And instead of calling it work, realize it is play. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.